Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast called The Unhurried Life. This morning, let's receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your tangible presence. We thank you that you're the lifter of heads, of hearts. Father, as we walk in obedience, as we walk in holiness, as we walk in full and the fullness of your presence and the fullness of your spirit. Father, we ask that just as you did in the book of Acts, that you would blow in the recesses of our lives. God, that no area is off limit. Father, that we thank you, we release any forgiveness, that one of the main blockings of healing in our life, one of the main blocks of your presence in our life is when we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness. So right now with hands lifted, we just release forgiveness into the atmosphere. Father, we thank you that we are a forgiven people, that the blood of Jesus has made us new. It's washed our sins, that generational curses stop with us, and that we make generational choices this morning to say we walk in forgiveness. So Father, we honor you in this place. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Take the word of God. Take the words that come out of my my mouth baptize them, sanctify them, and let them be life to your people. God, it is a privilege and an honor to worship you, to stand, to trust you, to go deeper in you. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives, our families, our marriages, and in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. You can be seated. GPC kids, you can be dismissed as well. Pray for our drummer. He's got double duty today going over and serving him and his wife, Claudia, our wonderful students today. I told him he needs to bring his guitar and him and his daughter can lead our kids in worship today. Um, Come on, it runs in that Turner blood, raising up worshipers. He can't hear anything because he's in a cage. Just bring your guitar. You and Ava are leading worship. I put you on the spot. But I want to say, um, so thankful that you're here um, and know you're in a good place. You're in a timely place. And we've been taking these last uh, several weeks, um, and I'm going to take, kind of finish up next week, but really just giving pastoral messages, very simple, needed, timely reminders of how um, we need healthy rhythms. Um, I'm actually putting together... Uh, a series for uh, at some point in our new year called Sacred Rhythms, that uh, the church gives us rhythms that we're to live by to where we stay healthy, where um, we just don't say spiritually healthy, but we can be mentally healthy, um, that we can be uh, physically healthy, financially healthy, that uh, from the beginning of time, through the Word of God, a biblical lens, there are sacred rhythms that we uh, should be walking in to be optimal, to be healthy, and to fulfill what God has called us to do. Uh, But today, I want to uh, really take this week, and I want to take next week, and I just want to address an unhurried life, and that's the title of the message today, of how we're to have an unhurried life, that a lot of us need to slow down. Um, I want to give you permission today. It's okay to slow down. If you don't need really my permission, but if anything, COVID-19 should have given us permission to slow down, 
And if you took that heed and you did slow down, you should have seen uh, a difference in your life. Maybe you re-engaged with family a little more. You, you uh, I like to say you put aside what was urgent and you begin practicing what's important. See, there's a difference. There's always going to be something that's urgent in our lives. Taking our time, our resources, we have to respond to it. We do what we have to do, but it can rob us of focusing on what's important. And there is a practice of getting to and staying focused on what's important. And I've seen in my life, I've, I've gone through, uh, you've heard me say, probably one of the busiest seasons of my life, uh, taking on a building project, uh, just getting our church through uh, the COVID pandemic. I mean, it's still sprinkled here and there a little bit. Uh, but a lot of things you don't go to, to college for, to Bible school for, to learn. Uh, you kind of learn in the fire. And I've been one since I've been 24. I always joke with Pastor Joyce. When she felt God say it was time to step in um, to the lead pastor, she gave me three months to get ready. I was 24 years old. No idea what I was doing. But you were gracious with me. Uh, God blessed it. Um, and, I, and I say that lightly uh, because I knew it was the time I was ready. Uh, but almost six years later now, I've learned a lot along the way. And I don't know if you're like me, but some of the best experiences are you just get, you, you go right in headstrong. You trust the Holy Spirit. He leads you. He takes care of you. He guides you. Now, don't get me wrong. There's always you need education. You need practice. You need training. You need mentoring. Uh, but I'm one. I'll just take it head on and learn as I go. But uh, on the, the back side of that, you can, you can very much live a hurried life where you're, you're pushed into the next thing and you're really not having margin um, to do things well, to do things healthy, um, and to do things in a way where you're not burning your wick to its very end. Anybody ever had a season in your life where you burned your wick and you didn't know what was going to be on the other end of it? Maybe you're still in that season now. Um, I've learned, too, that, you know, people love to say, um, you know, how you doing? And what's one of the most responses we say? Oh, it's just a busy season. And maybe you're like me in times. You're like, well, this is no longer a season. This is kind of now a lifestyle where I'm just always busy. And I've come to learn that um, busyness really isn't a lifestyle. It's a choice that we choose really to be busy. And... Uh, what I want to really get into to today, and this is kind of my hypothesis, is that um, busyness can be rooted in fear, where margin and applying the principle of margin in our life is rooted in trust and exercising faith. That when we stay busy, it usually comes from a place of, I don't really like what it's like when I'm alone, when I'm quiet, when I'm by myself, but if I stay busy, then things just... I, I feel important, I feel needed, I feel wanted, I feel accepted, I'm not missing out, I'm not dealing with FOMO, all of these things. But what we see in the Word of God consistently and constantly is there is power when you take a step back, you get margin in your life, and I'm going to define really what that is, maybe it's a new concept to you, but there is, is power when we apply the principle of margin. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in Matthew chapter 6, but I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to unhurry your life. Could anyone use a little bit of unhurrying as you head into the holiday season, as you head into Christmas, family, that 
many times we don't give ourselves permission to slow down and we think that more equals success and a lot of the times we trade quantity for quality and the heart of God has always been quality there's a lot of things that happen a lot of things that get done Jesus even says that he was about his father's business and so Jesus stayed busy so here's the key busyness is not bad if you're a worker like me you love to work you love to get things done and you just don't want to sit around and just twiddle your thumbs or you know be in a headspace all the time or read there's, there's times are needed, but you love to put your hands to something. You love to be doing something. But when we see the life of Jesus, Jesus was busy, but he was busy with the right things. And I think that is, as we live a balanced life, is that we have to be busy with the right things, not just for the sake of doing something or attending something or committing something or putting our kids in everything, 12-hour workdays, 10-hour workdays, where we never have a, a settling or a time to to reset, to heal our minds, to be uh, a, a part participating in relationships. And so we have to take a step back. In my heart, these next, few, um, these next few weeks, this week and next week, is that you would live an unhurried life. You know, I was thinking about um, the pandemic. And I don't know about you, but when it seems like our culture began to say, this is a very serious thing, that we need to start taking a look at it is when Tom Hanks got sick. You guys remember this? That we saw the news of Tom Hanks, that we saw that he got COVID and we have no idea what this is. So the world started paying attention because Tom Hanks got sick, right? And um, when you begin to think of what these, uh, I like to call sacred altars of our culture, of what our culture looks at to say, this is of value and this is of importance, there can be this uh, this vacuum that if we're not careful and intentional to get sucked into, that our time gets sucked into, and then we begin pivoting and focusing and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm in this cycle of not following that which is of importance to God, but almost a blend or um, a, a, a theological word, a syncretism of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of God, and you just get a clouded, confused worldview viewpoint of what we're supposed to be focusing on, what we're supposed to be putting our time to, that we miss, um, we miss the purpose or the heart of what we're to be focusing on. But I want to say this, is that the best things in your life are always going to happen in the margins. And what margin is, is this, and Dylan, if you put this up, is margin is simply the difference between my load and my limit. You got to know what your load is, and then you have to know what your limit is. Now, if you should have developed in your work life, your family life, you should know simply what your load is. Now, there's times, like I look at the load that I had when I was 24 to the load six years later of, of what I can carry. Now, I can carry a lot more, but it's important that I know where that load level is in my life. Margin can simply be this, too, is... If I'm, if I'm standing here, I look north, south, east, and west, I have a lot of space around me. But when your load starts to get heavy, it's like you start moving in one direction, and you start getting close to the edge of where your limit is, and as that load starts to get heavy, it can push you off the edge, and then you're frantic, you're hurried, 
and you're not effective, you're not healthy, your mental health goes down, your physical health is suffering. And I would, I think it's safe to say is a lot of us live our lives right about here. And we never take the time to back up, to evaluate the load we're carrying. And we, we push the limits and we get to the edge quickly. And when we live on the edge, what are things that we do? Uh, we're short in our relationships, we're short with our kids, we come home, we're not in the best mood, we're exhausted, we're tired, um, we're spent. And what we have that we should be giving to what is most important is on such a low level uh, because of what we gave during our day or what we gave during work or all of these places that pull and attach and try to grab from us. It can simply be said like this uh, with money, is if you have 100 bucks, you have $80 in bills, the 20 bucks that you have left is the margin in your life. Um, it's, it's, it's also thinking of it in a way of um, having space and buffer, that you live a life with space and buffer. And see, so uh, we I've shared a little bit just of my personal story and, and why this message is just simply personal to me is because during uh, the pandemic, little months after, after it started, uh, my wife and I began just to, like everyone, evaluate our, our physical life, our spiritual life, our financial life, and we just began to make decisions, and what we began to realize is in a lot of areas, we were living right here, and just personally, I was living there, and so we said, you know what, we're going to pray, we're going to spend some time uh, fasting, and we're just going to trust God that we're going to get a plan, get God's heart, and we want to begin to add more margin in every area of our life. And so we started making decisions um, as a, even over how we do things as a church, um, how we do things in our school, how we do things in our personal life. And we're kind of at this place where we're reaping the fruit of where that margin is now becoming a blessing into our lives. And so at first, when you begin to say, you know what, I want to apply margin, it's not fun. It takes a lot of work. You feel like you're right here, triple or double, to, to make room for the margin that you're trying to apply in your life. Um, but I, I'm preaching today from a place of seeing the fruits of having more margin, physically, spiritually, emotionally, to where you just don't feel spent all the time. And as parents, we know this, or even grandparents, anyone with kids, is that you don't have a lot of extra time just to focus on yourself, on your mental health. So you have to be even more intentional and proactive to get margin into your schedule and into your life. And so I want us to think of what Job said, Job 9.25. It says this, it says, Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away and they see no good. When we live a life without margin, we're like Job, where the days just fly by, we can't really grab or take concept. You ever been to a place where you look back and you're like, how in the world did six months just pass? Or how, is, how, are, how am I celebrating my son's three-year-old birthday party? Where in the world has the time gone? And so Job, he, he's honest, he's open, he's authentic. He says that, I feel like my days are so swift that they're fleeing away and that I'm seeing no good in it. So we even see that Job recognizes the need to not be living on the edge, to have margin in his life. 
I want to read this case study I found in the back end of it, Dylan, if you would uh, put it up on the screen. But it, it, it really gives, actually you can go ahead, it really gives a, um, this cycle of what we can get thrown into. And it says that there was this, this study done, and it was conducted um, of obstacles to growth, um, over 20,000 Christians across the globe, and then identified busyness as a major distraction from spiritual life. And look what he found, what his hypothesis was. He says that it may be the case that, one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to, number two, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to, number three, a deteriorating relationship with God. Look what happens after that, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which then leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and then the cycle begins again. I think that sounds pretty accurate of when we get into this hurry, busy, rushed lifestyle way of thinking. And so we've got to be intentional to break out of this cycle and understand that busyness is not a condition. We are all busy. We're busy with different things. But quite honestly, busyness is a choice, that we choose what we're busy in. Scripture says this in the New Testament. We reference it a lot. You've heard of it. It's, it's Mary and it's Martha. But it, Jesus says that, Martha, Martha, you're worried, in Luke 10, 41, and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and this is what I want you to see. And it says that Mary has what? She has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. So we see that Mary made a choice. Martha made a choice. Jesus affirms that Mary has made the good choice to sit at the feet of Jesus, to spend time relationally, to put the work down for five minutes, and to spend time with her master, spend time with her Savior. And, and what I want to get across to you, that if you're going to start making a change from having an unhurried life is you've got to make the choice. You being in church on Sunday on a rainy day is a good choice because you're going to grow, you're going to be encouraged, you're in a contemplative environment where we're using our mind, we're thinking through our schedule. Even I, I pray as, as, as I'm preaching on this, you're just, your schedule to a degree is going through your head. And what you should be saying is how can I baptize this in light of the word of God to make things better, to get things healthy. That when you walk out of here, my heart for you is that you make a good choice to begin. You got to start with one choice to begin adding more margin in your life and do it in a biblical way because God will honor it. He'll bless it. And, and you'll begin to see the supernatural come into um, the equation in your life. You know, we've heard this before, that the problem isn't that we need more hours. It's how we choose to spend the ones that we're given. You know, if we had more hours, we would probably just do more of the same of what we're already doing. We wouldn't make a change if we had more hours because these are disciplines and mindsets um, that we have to uh, address. But I want to give three quick biblical principles that we see. Old Testament, Matthew 6, brings it into the New Testament. And then I just want to give us uh, some time to release some of the burdens that maybe you're carrying.
And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is something practically this week that I can give up or that I can change to begin to add more margin in my life so that I can be faithful to what is important, not what is urgent in my family schedule and my kids' schedule. All those are good things. But if you feel spent, hurried, worried, anxious, that's an indicator and a trigger that you need to make a change and you need to get healthy. And it's okay to slow down and to address those things. The number one is this. We see in the Word of God that there is the law of Sabbath. I say this in, in, in the spirit of Sabbath is that it's not about resting in a certain day, but it's about resting in a person, and that person is Jesus. So it's in your rest. It's that you rest in the person of Christ. Now, in, in the Old Testament, you've got to think that these laws were given to um, Israel who came out of bondage and who came out of slavery, where all they knew was work and all they knew was grind. They would literally get up, eat breakfast, work all day, long, grueling hours. Um, you've seen and read the conditions and all those things. And then they would eat, sleep, repeat. And so all they knew was slave labor. All they knew was everything that they did was from a works base. And if they got sick, I mean, you, this is what's crazy about these conditions. If they got sick, they wouldn't be given medical attention. They would be thrown out and somebody else would come in. So the life of a slave in, those, in these biblical times was rest was never a part of the equation. So you've got to think that they're led into the promised land. They're given the Ten Commandments. They're given these, these gifts. I, I preached a series on the Ten Commandments, seeing them in light of as these ten gifts that teach you not just how to be free, but to live free. So there's a difference on when you're set free, but then we take the word of God to teach us how to continue to be free and how to live free. So these commandments were given to them to teach them how to live free and how to walk in the truth and how to, um, because as a slave, you don't have choice, but then when you're given freedom, you have a choice then as how am I going to use this freedom? So that's where Deuteronomy, Leviticus, these Levitical laws come into play to say, here's how you're going to have a healthy life. Here's how you're going to walk and, and honor God, not sin, not dishonor the ways of God. And they were given as a gift uh, to God's people. So we see that one of the biggest gifts that was given, and it's in the, even in the Ten Commandments, is the law of Sabbath. It says this in Exodus 28, if you put it up. It says that, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of our Lord of the Lord your God. So in those in those days, God was essentially making it illegal to work one day. That he knew the importance of rest. And he knows even you and I today, if we work seven days a week, eight, ten hours a day, you are gonna run yourself dry, ragged. Your mental health is going to deteriorate. It's just we weren't created to always work, 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 work. We're created to enjoy. We're created to relax. Um, now, maybe we have friends or family that all they do is enjoy and relax a little too much, and they need to get back to work, so the labor shortage problem can, uh, can get a little better. But there's this healthy balance. There's this ebb and flow. There's this sacred rhythm of working and resting, and when you're in that, you're going to see God's blessing, and he's going to take care of you uh, as you exercise. Again, margin is an exercise of faith and trust, Busyness is your exercising fear. When you're busy, 
you know, are you really trusting that God's going to take care of you if I only work six instead of seven? Can he provide for me as I take rest or take family time or make, get to church or make my spiritual life um, giving uh, time and, and nurturing and feeding that? Deuteronomy uh, dives into the Sabbath a little deeper. It says that in verse 13, that six days you'll labor, do all your work. So he reaffirms that the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. In it you shall do no work, and it says, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, your ox, your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. So here's where he puts that in. You've got to remember what you came out of and now what you're in. And so he says, the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So he gives us um, this Sabbath. And, you know, the thing that I've come to find, too, is Sabbath is not just an exterior thing. If I can get to a beach, if I can get on a vacation, trust me, it helps. And it's a step in the right direction. But what tends to happen is when we, if we Sabbath correctly, it's not just an exterior thing. It has to be an interior thing. Because all you'll do is you'll just take all your preoccupations and all your occupations in another state and in another zip code and another environment. You're just taking it all with you. But when you practice Sabbath, Sabbath and rest in a biblical way, it is an inside job. Isn't it? it is an interior work where you can truly unwind in Christ. You can rest in Christ and you can get rejuvenated, refilled, and keep your purpose of what God's called you to on the forefront. Is this, is, this is really how um, we can Sabbath well. Number two, another law he gives us is, is the law of tithing. And this is really handles um, our finances. Is that it says in Deuteronomy 14, 22, it says, You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. It goes on in, in Malachi uh, 3, 6 through 11, it says, uh, that Malachi declares to the people. He says that you rob the Lord by not bringing the full tithes into the storehouse of Jerusalem. God responds and says, by, by bringing the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and, there, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. He says, if I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflow of blessing. And so we see in God's word is this, we trust him in the tithe. We trust him that, you know what, God can do more with 90% than, he, than, he, than we can with holding on to 100%. It goes back to this idea and this principle of margin is, is that it is an exercise of trust. Is that when I am trusting God and worshiping and bringing tithe and offering, I am trusting him that I am not uh, the ultimate breadwinner, that I don't control everything that my money does, but it is a gift of how God has resourced me, and I am putting my trust in a good God who never leaves me, forsakes me, or fails me, and he can do more with 90% blessed than me holding on tightly to 100%. And so if anything, it's, it is an exercise of trust, and I thank God because it keeps, it's kept me grounded being a tither. It's kept me, um, it keeps a generous heart within me. You know, a part of, of Bree and I moving into a season of more margin is we want to be able uh, just simply bless people. That if someone has a financial need, 
there were, there were times where we were so tight that there was nothing where we could even bless somebody or help somebody. And we wanted to be in a place and say, God, if you would make a way for margin here, we want to trust you to bless and to care when someone simply has a need, even if it's an emotional need, because margin just isn't money, it's time. Think about if you had the time that, again, if you're living on the edge and somebody comes and has a need, you're, there's no margin for error, so you have to keep everything churning 100%, because if you fall into error, then you can get so backdated and backlogged that then you're just playing catch-up all the time, and you're never truly feeling the freedom of a good, healthy schedule. So if you're here and someone just simply needs your time, but if you're back here and you have margin, then I can give time here, I can give time over here, and I can be in a good place to where I'm not so on edge that even when someone gets my time when I'm here, it's not even that good because everything that's going on up here, just being honest. And number three is this, and, and I find this, um, I find this interesting, and, and I've not heard this uh, really taught, and it's the law of gleanings. And uh, this is found in the Old Testament as well in Leviticus, and it, and it says this. It says in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Gleanings uh, is simply extracting the extra. So it's, it's being so tight and not having margin that you literally, what would happen in the harvest is that after they would uh, take the harvest, there would be whatever fruit or vegetable that would, or corn, um, that would come out of the, the bushel or the baskets or from the harvest that then the servants would go back in and get all the extra and make sure it was all picked up. What it says here, it says, you know, it's okay to leave that and the poor and the needy can come and, and pick that, and it can be a blessing to them. And so the principle behind it is, in the law of gleanings, is that you don't live having to take and extract everything, every bit of time, every dollar, every relationship, to where uh, you're, you're gleaning everything. Uh, a modern understanding of gleaning could even be known, as it said in one definition, is dumpster diving that you're living in this place of where I'm always dumpster diving just to make it, just to get by. And so there's a principle here, if you can see it, that trust, you've got to trust God that if I leave some behind, that he's going to take care of me. Because look what he says at the end of it. He says, for I am the Lord your God. I'm God, I'm good. And you have to trust me that you don't have to make every single thing happen. You don't have to extract everything out of your life to get by and uh, to get past whatever you're in. It can simply be said as this, is that you have to leave it and you've got to trust God. You've got to leave it and you've got to trust God. There's some situations that you just have to walk away from. This is for somebody. You have to walk away from it and then you just need to go trust God in the situation. And so we see just these simple three principles that address a hurried life, a busy life, um, of if we can apply these, we can begin to see. I want to end with this, and, and Seth, if you would come as we just take a time of worship. 
Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this, so some wisdom from Solomon. He says, it's better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping at the wind. Isn't that powerful? Better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. Matthew 6 says this too, and it's, it's the chapter on trusting God for our needs, for our basic needs, that we not lose sight of who our provider is, who cares for us, who watches for us. It says this in verse 31, it says, therefore, don't worry about anything, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, and even when he says Gentiles here, in this context, he's talking of pagans, that they have other gods, they have other ways of thinking, other ways of where they think they get their provision. So it's saying, stop thinking like a Gentile, that you're going to get your provision from here, that this is your sole source. But it says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So he knows exactly where you're at, what you need. And he goes into, he says, you've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Again, just honest, how each day is going to have its labor, its pain, its trouble. So let's take where we're at, let's put some margin, because if you're here, you can handle the trouble over there the trouble over here. And you can begin to see God use and bless your schedule, bless your relationships, bless your finances as you simply make the choice. And just like Mary had to make the choice to sit at the feet of Jesus, to put the work down, some of us need to make the choice. You know what? Over the holiday season, I'm getting some extra days. I'm going to choose to rest. I'm going to do some things very practically to apply rest in my life. Maybe I'm going to cater Thanksgiving and not cook and going to enjoy Thanksgiving a little differently this year. I'm just saying, these are just simple, practical steps. This is a, a, a practical pastoral message for you that you can begin to get some margin and get joy in your life, that you can begin to exercise trust that God's going to take care of things. Don't freak out about your family, what's going on, all those things. But apply Sabbath. Don't glean everything. Trust God in the tithe. These are just simple reminders that if you do these things, he says this in the commandments, that if you do these things, you'll live. He's that blunt, it's that plain, and that's and that that's simple. Yes, we believe, yes, we trust, yes, we have faith. But there has to come a point, just like Mary did, you've got to make the choice. And my heart for you is that you choose to put margin in your schedule that you know your limit, you know where your load is, and if you get that right, you're not going to be on the edge, you're going to be able to look all around you, and you're going to see that, you know what, there's some room that God can work in this. There's some room that God can work in my relationships, my finances, my mental health, um, the, the purposes of God in your life. There might be actually some room where you can open your Bible for more than five minutes a day, and you can read, that you can come home and give your kids or your spouse the best afterward because you've been mentally strong during the day. All of these things, if not addressed, will add up and will bite you if you don't have some plan or schedule in place. 
um, to apply to your life. I want to end with this quote. I don't know if we have it on the screen or not, but um, this was by a French Christian mathematician, Blaise Pascal. And this was in the 16th century. And he said this. He said, all of man's misfortune comes from one thing, which is not knowing how to sit quietly in a room. And I think that what was spoken centuries ago is something that's so true that we need to hear today is that many of our misfortunes, our labor, our toil, comes from not knowing how to simply just sit, how to rest, how to trust, how to exercise faith, how to have a a wholesome plan, how to choose to apply it. And so my challenge for you this week is that you take some time somewhere, someplace, and you just quiet yourself. You quiet your mind, you have your Bible open, you pray, you meditate on the Word of God. It says in Scripture in, in Hebrews that when you meditate on the Word of God, you chew on it, you chew on it, you chew on it, and then it begins to come alive in you. Some of you are, are living in, in, a, in a place and in a space where the Word of God has not been alive to you for months, even years. And you've got to get quiet again, and you've got to allow the Word of God to come alive in you. Because if you don't, it's to your detriment. Again, he says, do this and you're going to live. Do this and maybe the relationships that he's already put around you, you've got a bad lens and a fogged lens that if that lens goes off, you'll see how those relationships are actually can be a blessing to you, not a, a burden to you. Jesus says in, in the Gospels, he says, come to me, all you who are, le- who are heavy laden, all of you who are burdened, I'm going to give you rest. The heart of Jesus is when you come to him is you experience rest because it's in rest when you're settled down. The Holy Spirit can work on you. He can address the things in your life that you're clinging to and not letting go of. When you're rested, you're your best self. When you're rested, you're the best to receive what Christ is doing in you. And so don't get me wrong. We can be tired, but we can also still be rested. There's a difference. I, I, I can be tired. As a parent, you're pretty much tired all the time. Or if you're working, you're tired all the time. But you can feel rested in your spirit, even though your body is tired. So know that you, rest is an interior thing. It's not an exterior thing. But when you're rested, it begins to touch and to flow into every area of your life. So I want to pray for you if you'd stand. And then I want to do the song again. It opens up, are you, are you broken and within? Do you need a drink from the well? If you're here this morning and you just simply say, I'm hurried, I'm worried, I'm unrested, I'm tight, I'm uptight. There's no joy margin in my life. I want you to lay it down and I want to allow the Holy Spirit to open you up, to put a plan in place that this is a practical, but it also takes a moment of just surrender to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, I'm done striving. I want to stride with you. I want to trust you. I don't want to walk outside of you. I don't want to walk ahead of you. I want to walk with you. I want to be at the pace that you've called me to. So, Father, we ask right now, in your presence, 
that through this message you've revealed maybe it's an idol, it's any something we put before God that we need to lay down. Maybe it's a busy schedule. Maybe we're type A and we have to plan everything out and have everything down to dotting our I's and crossing our T's. Maybe we need to, to let loose our schedule a little bit and put some time just to trust you, some be spontaneous with you. I don't know. Um, maybe you're type B and you need to tighten up a little bit and put a little more structure in your life where you're not so disorganized and scattered that you're late everywhere or um, you know, you're not present where you need to be present. Father, we ask that you know our situation. You know the circumstance. You know the problem. We ask that the Holy Spirit would come. We say, come Holy Spirit, that you would have your way from the schedule to our faith, that we want to exercise our faith to trust you in our Sabbath, with our, our tithe, that we don't want to glean and extract everything because we don't trust you, but that we can leave some behind to be a blessing to somebody else, that we not be selfish but selfless. So, Father, whatever we need to lay down, we want to make that choice and make that decision, that it's better to sit at your feet, that that's the better thing to do. So we want to sit, we want to trust, and build trust as we surrender to you right here, right now in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope and pray that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with Christ. Have a wonderful week.